Hey, everybody. Thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said, enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ with you. Welcome to Front Row Knowles. Keith, how are you, sir? I'm great. Football on the field. They still got on shorts, so put on pads this afternoon, but football on the field. I like it. It is officially Kool-Aid season, Keith. Are you drinking the Kool-Aid? Yes. Uh, Now, I may slip a little something else in it every now and then, but that's between me and Kathy. Well, that that season has been in the fall, unfortunately, the last few years. (laughs) That's true, too. That's true, too. (laughs) We're we're hoping we're moving past that so we can just keep drinking the Kool-Aid. Yep. Uh, by all accounts, and I have not been to practice yet. I, I am going later today, and Bob Ferrante, our Osceola Insider, will join us next. Uh, when you don't have the pads on, and when you're not playing somebody else, you got to look awfully bad to not look good, if you know what I'm saying. So right now, the reports that are coming out is that uh, everybody looks pretty good. Maybe not everybody, but but more than have looked good in recent years. I'm reminded of the conversation, the late. Uh... Uh, the late Gene McDowell and our, our old, longtime good friend Jim Gladden had when they were out at practice one time many years ago when they had retired, but they were out at practice. And uh, McDowell looks at uh, at Jim and says, "They look good on the hoof." And uh, and and Gladden looks at him and says, "But they ain't got no pads on, and that'll make babies of all of them." <laughs> <laughs> well, the pads are coming on. It is interesting. They'll take uh, the practice today and later this week and then they take a week off for spring break uh, and come and come back and that's when they really get down to business I guess you could say but uh, I am excited about it there's certainly renewed optimism there always is this time of year it's like spring training for baseball when we actually have spring training for baseball I guess that's a bad bad analogy for this year but uh, everybody thinks this is going to be the year right I don't think we think this is the year for Florida State I do think it's a year that they take a step forward a significant a fairly significant step forward I think it'll be several steps forward. Uh, I really do. Um, you know, I, I continue to be impressed with Coach Norvell and his ability to to react to change. Um, you know, I'm the old curmudgeon. I don't like the portal. I don't like this. I don't like that. But uh, Coach Norvell and, and leading his staff, they have embraced the things that have changed. And uh, we'll talk about it with Bob. But I mean, you got more bodies out there in a single spring than I can ever remember having. In fact, Coach Norvell mentioned that may even have to change some of his thought process on how he practices because you've got, you know, almost all of your scholarship kids in early. And um, that's a pleasant problem, but never lists a problem that you've got to address. Well, and they may always do this, but no detail is uh, is is too small to, to go over, right? So before practice started, Keith, the coaches and equipment managers and trainers and doctors had practice to figure out how to run practice. So uh, that that goes to show, and I'm sure most staffs do that, but uh, they did that. He commented at his luncheon on Friday that that's how they had spent Friday morning was practicing practice. 
there it's amazing if you've been around coach Norvell it is amazing I, I always thought that, that Jimbo paid the most attention to detail uh and uh and I think he's been more than replaced by coach Norvell uh, there's not anything that gets past his attention it doesn't seem Coming up on the show, we'll we'll dive deeper into football. Bob Ferrante, our Osceola Insider, joins us next segment. We're not going to talk much basketball because the basketball team is playing right now if, uh, if you're listening live in the ACC tournament against Syracuse. But I, I will say a tip of the cap, Keith, to that group. We had Harrison Prieto on last week. He said he thought they might get some energy from that thrilling win at Virginia. And he was sure right. They just go beat Notre Dame. NC State's not any good. But but nevertheless, for that team to have a three-game winning streak to close the regular season says an awful lot about the culture that Leonard Hamilton has created there. I'm sure Bob will mention this, or you will. Um, but think about this. There are eight seniors, I believe, on the football team. And there were seven basketball players honored on senior day for the basketball team. That's just that's just amazing. Yeah, it, it, it's and and hopefully uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe one of them will come back. No definitive word on that yet. Anyway, uh, kudos to them. Hopefully they get the job done today and they win three more in a row after today. Anyway, we'll take a break. Come back. Talk to Bob. Stay with us on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Time to open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, is here. And, Bob, we have actual, real, live, in-person football to discuss. In true disclosure, I don't know that Keith has been to practice, but I have not been there yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go later today. But what have you seen thus far? It's been really fun. I think it's been refreshing to see, especially the, the difference – and how the team looks compared to last March. And, and really last March and April, it was kind of frustrating because there were just too many drops. There was too much inconsistency in the passing game. You just couldn't really see a lot of growth for, for a good chunk of the, of the spring uh, last year. And, and this year from the start, yes, there were some drops, but I think once they got into 11 on 11, it was very, very competitive, you know, wide receiver versus defensive back. I think that's the biggest positive is that you know these these four transfers have come in and and they're challenging the DBs and, and vice versa and I think we we still need to see some of the younger receivers step up there but we've seen Malik McLean make some good plays and Darian Williamson but to see that wide receiver room elevated I think it's excited the quarterbacks it's excited the receivers in general and uh, and we know Mike Norvell is happy to see it as a former college receiver to see that development too. Obviously, focuses on quarterbacks, particularly when you're in shorts. You haven't put on the pads, haven't hit yet. But uh, I hear a lot of good things uh, about uh, Tate Rotomaker and maybe pushing uh, Travis a little bit. And and did you see similar types of things in the early going? Yeah, I, I would caution that a lot of this is is truly you know pads won't go on until later Wednesday afternoon. So you know a lot of it is you're seeing things with a with a big asterisk on it. Um, I think Tate is still a, a good distance second to, to Jordan Travis. Um, Tate makes some really good plays and good decisions, but you know, at, at times still gets kind of, I think, antsy and, and inconsistent in 11 on 11 and just isn't completing 
en enough passes for my favor. Um, you know, had a really questionable decision on what became a, a pick six, a good play by Azaria Thomas, um, you know, the, the four-star DB is an early enrollee. So, so Tate's making some mistakes. I, I, I honestly think A.J. Duffy has really held himself quite well. Um, he, he's got a good body size for a true freshman, already about 230 pounds, and, um, and, and plays with, with some composure. I think he's, he's kind of well ahead of what his age would suggest. So, um, you know, good to see Duffy out there kind of holding his own. And I, I think we'll, we'll be very curious to see that development as the pads get on as they get into scrimmages after spring break, you know, just how this team develops. So where do you look first when the pads come on later today? Yeah, I, I'm very curious about the big boys up front. You know, how does, how does the offensive line, you know, compete against, um, you know, it's, it's a very veteran defensive front, um, especially on the interior with, with Cooper and love it back. How does Dennis Briggs look coming off that injury? Very, very curious how, this move to the edge plays for Dennis sounds like, um, you know, from hearing Odell, you know, talking that, that Dennis may slide inside some, it might be kind of a Keir Thomas type of role where he does a little bit of edge and interior as far as lining up pre-snap. So I think I'm very curious about the defensive front, um, the offensive line. I think we're all kind of uh, very interested in seeing, you know, the Wisconsin transfer Caden Lyles, uh, how does he look? Uh, does he line up at center? I, I think he insists that he is a center, but you've also got Maurice Smith. Uh, how do they utilize and cross train guys? Do we see Maurice a little bit at, at guard? Um, do you see Darius Washington move around a little bit? It, it, it's a good opportunity for Alex Atkins to cross train guys and just use that opportunity to try and put guys where, where he thinks that they might fit best. I mentioned and asked you about this last week, uh, kind of a repeat of the question, but uh, what, what did you see from the coaches? A couple of new on-the-field guys, Alex with a different role. What's your first impressions about how the coaching staffs are, are performing, as it were? You know, I think there's a lot of similarity in what Alex Atkins does. He's very much hands-on with the offensive line, same as in past years. Uh, you don't see anything truly different there. Um, I, I think Randy Shannon is, has really impressed the linebackers with, with how he's kind of meshed with them. And, and they, they have a ton of respect for Randy and, and how many guys he's put in the NFL. Um, you know, Kalen Deloach mentioned that to us on Monday after practice. So I think Randy having that year with them as an analyst and now being on field, again, continuity is huge for these guys because for years we discussed how um, they constantly had to become accustomed to change, to new coaches, to new schemes. Now there is some familiarity. Um, Tony Tokars is, is very hands-on, similar to what Kenny Dillingham was. Nobody moves or runs, I think, as much as Kenny Dillingham or now Mike Norvell does. Norvell likes to, to race some of the defensive linemen. If you've seen some of the videos out on Twitter, it's quite amusing. Um, so yeah, Norvell brings the energy much like always. I think I think the guys will will say in general they're very happy with the continuity overall they've had, you know, from last year to this year with the coaches. Who's standing out thus far on the defensive side of the ball, Bob? Or let me let me even broaden it. You know, you started with the with the quarterbacks, receivers, but what else has caught your eye thus far through a couple practices? Yeah, I think it's early, but but Tatum Bethune looks like a guy who fits in quite well with what they want to do. A, a guy who can, you know, seriously 
take charge and get to the ball carrier or to a receiver. Uh, you know, Florida State needs some linebackers who who have that instinct and desire to uh, to seek out guys quickly and and make a play wrap wrap somebody up. I, I think some of the DBs have really shown to to fit in quite well. Uh, you know, again, Azaria Thomas was a guy who's impressed. Uh, Sam McCall has held his own. It's um, it's a really deep group of DBs, honestly, and um, I, I think we know that. Quite honestly, you, you've got uh, you've got Jamie Robinson, you've got Kevin Knowles. The rest of those jobs, whether you're in a, a four DB or an, or a nickel, are are kind of up for grabs. I mean, there's there's opportunities out there for a, a lot of guys to um, to develop. I think the the coaching staff has really said this is not a depth chart situation in, in the spring. You're not really building a depth chart. You're kind of looking at development. Who's made progress who understands the the playbook and the scheme better and and we're we're kind of starting to see that through a couple practices but you know once the pads get on i think it'll be it'll be easier for the dbs honestly to to compete because you're you know it's good for the receivers to be out there without any pads on they can kind of move around a a lot easier right now i got tickled at uh, coach norvell's comment everything's always changing and he was mentioning uh, the early enrollees and the transfers and that He's kind of had to change some of his practice approaches. Normally in spring, of our listeners haven't processed this, but normally in spring you're dealing with plus or minus 65 or 70 scholarship kids because you're, you're really expecting your freshman class to arrive in August. They've got 85 scholarship kids. And, and figuring out how to do what, he even admitted was a little bit different, a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, I think Coach Norvell said this is the most newcomers anybody in the country has, which is really saying something. They've got, I think, in the neighborhood of about 23 new guys between the transfers and the freshmen who have early enrolled. And it's a good time for them to come in and and make mistakes. But it's also a good time to see the full depth of the roster top to bottom and and maybe – to some extent, we can kind of appreciate how far this program has come in, in two years from the early March 2020 pre-pandemic where Norvell was just starting to build that roster and kind of shape you know, where he took things over from Coach Taggart and then you know, kind of put in his guys, his transfers, um, his first class. We're, we're seeing a much deeper team. I think that's a really, really good thing that you can kind of see that depth starting to build this is very much Coach Norvell's guys. He's built it through transfer classes, through high school classes. Yes, there are some standouts from, you know, from years and years ago that he's inherited those players. But these are these are Norvell's guys. They kind of they know what the expectations are. They know what the standard is, and I think that's going to make for a smoother, um, maybe happier spring, less frustration of the coaches saying, no, 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 you're, you're doing it all wrong. It's, it's more of, okay, you're doing it very, very close to, to where we expect you to do it. We're talking with our Osceola insider, Bob Frante, focusing on football right now. Obviously the basketball team is playing as we speak, if you're listening live. So we'll steer clear of the, the hoops conversation. What about Jared verse? I know the pads haven't been on, but I'm sure everybody uh, fixed their eyes on him. Uh, does he look the part? Yeah, I, I think again early for that judgment, and we'll we'll know later today a little bit more about how he really kind of fits in. I I like him and what he brings. Um, you know, just seeing him interact with some of the teammates at, at one of the boys and girls club events 
uh, very, very personable, a lot of smiling, interacted with teammates and kids. Great. Looked like he just fit in and had hung out with, with the players for years and years. Good attitude. I, I think the one caution, and Mike Norvell mentioned it last week, was you know, there are going to be inevitable comparisons to a, a Jermaine Johnson, a Keir Thomas, guys who came in from the SEC as, as fifth-year seniors. And, and Jared versus has played really a, a full season plus a spring at the FCS level. So I, I think the expectations will be just really through the roof. But at the same time, there's a guy that we think can be a leader. We know he's athletic. We think he can affect the passer, put some pressure on the passer. Um, and, and there's a reason, again, why he was the most highly sought after defensive prospect in the portal. It's just because of what he's shown on film and, and in part what he did against Syracuse last year. So there, there's a lot of, of high hopes for him. I, I just I think let's, let's kind of wait and see to some extent um, before we, we start to say, is he going to be up there with a, with a Jermaine, Jermaine Keir type of impactful pass rusher? Bob, I should have prepped you on this beforehand, but uh, surgeries and rehabilitation, there's not a lot of kids missing uh, that I've heard about. How about you? Yeah, and, and there are a few. I think, you know, Coach Norvell said, I believe on Friday, it might have been Saturday, that, that there are not guys that he expects to miss the full spring. Um, now, in full disclosure, Mike Norvell does not like to discuss injuries, does not want to give timelines. Uh, we've been asked as a media group not to report on, hey, here's who's working on the side. Here's who's got a boot on this and that. Um, to your point, though, about injuries, we've seen a lot of guys come back from those injuries from last year. Uh, Joshua Burrell has looked good, the wide receiver. Thomas Schrader has been out there with the offensive line group, you know, looking really good. Dennis Briggs, same with the defensive lineman. So guys who were injured last fall, you thought they could have factored in with the team. They are back and they are they are looking quite good. So some definite positive developments. Any sign of who the leaders are thus far? I think the players are clearly pointing on offense to Jordan Travis, that, that he has taken on the reins of being even more outspoken. Um, you know, Cam McDonald mentioning that, um, that Jordan has kind of picked up some things from, from Mackenzie Milton about how to lead, how to be a guy who can um, not just lead his position group, but, but receivers. And I, I think, I think we're seeing Jordan evolve with every year. He's, he's taking on facets of the game that he wants to improve on, but also be a leader. You know, on defense, there's a lot of good candidates. I, I think, I think we see Jamie Robinson being that type of guy. I, I think Tatum Bethune can be too. Um, really almost anybody along that defensive front. There are guys with, with years of experience, you know, Robert Cooper has such a fun loving personality. You can see him uh, just hanging out with the guys and, and, and kind of sharing his wisdom. Um, Dennis Briggs, Fabian Lovett coming back, I think for another year buys him a, a lot of credibility with, with players and teammates because he, he's in it for the long haul personally, but also for the, for the team. So I, I think there is definite, um, you know, groups of veterans. You know, Mike Norvell mentioned there's only eight uh, seniors on the roster. And I think, but you have to also say, well, at the same time, there's there's 23 redshirt juniors for various reasons because of you took a redshirt you um, because of the COVID season, whatnot. 
there are a lot of guys who are fourth year players or above to, to kind of lead this team, be productive and, and to kind of set the tone. Bob, you're in midseason form, even if the pads have yet to come on. We appreciate your insight, as always. We'll let you off the hook on other Seminole sports. There's plenty of time to, uh, to run all that down. Uh, enjoy practice. Thank you. Take care. Our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, and more Front Row Knowles right after this. Stay tuned. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ back with you. Thanks to Bob Ferrante for filling us in on what's going on on the football field. We're going to move to the basketball court now. And, Keith, we don't, we don't do this a whole lot, but we're going to talk a little high school basketball because the gentleman who joins us now, most Knoll fans, I think probably all are going to know. But nowadays he's making his living as a, as a head basketball coach. This is Charlie Ward. Charlie, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys today? Doing great. We're doing great. And I got to say, everybody was, was obviously pulling for your team. And so let's, let's just dive right in. Uh, the, the moment that you guys, Florida High wins a state championship, how did, how did that rate for you compared to all the other athletic achievements and feats and teams you've been a part of? That, that moment last Friday, what did that mean to you? Uh, well, I mean, it's just like any other moment. Uh, they all are great when you, when you reach your goals of, um, you know, winning a championship. I don't care if it's peewee ball or high school, college, pro. Um, I think they all rate the same uh, because there are a lot of things that go into uh, getting to that point. And uh, we were able to, you know, continue to go up the chain in a sense uh, each and every week. Uh, we played in the playoffs and uh, also during the course of the season was very challenging in a lot of ways, but, you know, I was grateful to be able to experience uh, reaching the mountaintop with this group. Um, it was a special group. Um, to a man, all the so far the exit meetings we've had, uh, the one thing that they've shared was, you know, we've had we had great peer leadership, uh, accountability. Uh, everyone's accountable to one another, and um, of course, you have to have playmakers, and we did. Charlie, I was impressed, and this will sound a little silly, maybe. But I was impressed because um, the great Charlie Ward had a little tear in his eye. That, that was a very special moment for you, and it was a special time for me to watch you react that, that way. I, I just can't imagine how great that felt. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I was a little emotional just thinking about the opportunity, um, you know, during that uh, earlier that day um, that we had gotten to this point. And as, you know, most times – that's all you ask for is just an opportunity to be in that seat. And uh, then I was anxious to get the game ready, uh, get game going so we can see the outcome uh, of the game. And, you know, just like anything else, uh, whether you're having a baby, um, whether you're uh, getting married, whatever the emotional moment is uh, to you, um, it just, it's just a sign of uh, joy. Um, and, and I was grateful that I was able to have, those emotions because it could have been on the other side for sure. We're talking with Charlie Ward. Charlie, we all remember your playing days and, and your, your style of play. And uh, you always were 
unemotional, you know, calm. And I imagine your coaching demeanor's pretty similar, but you, you had, you had a chance to, and I don't know your, your whole lineage of coaches. I don't know who coached you in pop Warner and who coached you in high school and all that, but I, I know that you played for Bobby Bowden and Mark Richt and, and I think Pat Riley for a year and Jeff Van Gundy and Greg Popovich and there's others who, who, who was the biggest influence? I mean, in, in terms of the way you coach, is it any of them? Is it somebody else? Um, well, you know, I grew up in a house household. Uh, my dad was a coach, so I was around it all the time, whether it was at home or when I went to uh, visit him uh, when he was working. I actually played for him. But, you know, I had a plethora of great coaches that taught me a lot about the game and about, you know, how to approach the game. And I just take a, you know, that, that's basically who I am as a coach. Um, I take all of them in some form of fashion and mix it together and, uh, you know, put the process together. I know one thing, um, all the great coaches and teams uh, have processes and um, those things don't change. One is stability. Two is you got to have, uh, you know, good players that buy into um, a role or, or whatever the coach is selling. Um, and then you got to have players that, uh, hold each other accountable. Um, I, I saw in all the great teams that I was a part of and all the bad teams I was a part of, it was you know, they all had the same uh, thing, which was either it was good peer leadership or not. Um, a coach to coaches, you know, put the processes in place, you know, the preparation that you put into it uh, goes a long ways. You know, the work, as we talked, work being our confidence. Um, I learned that a lot. Uh, when I was in college, also in the pros, um, about, you know, preparing the right way. And when you prepare, you go out and play with confidence. And then when things aren't going well, the only thing you can fall back on is, outside of your faith, is your work. Charlie, why do you do this? You could sit back and do anything that you wanted. Why, why are you still involved in athletics and why are you doing what you do? Uh, well, as I grew up, uh, there was someone that took care of me as far as teaching me how to become a man. Um, I learned a lot through sports. I had a, a lot of great coaches growing up, uh, even college and pro. You know, they taught me a lot of uh, great life lessons uh, through the game of basketball and football and even when I played baseball and ran track in high school. And so, you know, when it when it came down to it, when I when I – retired from the NBA. I really didn't know what I wanted to do, uh, but you know, between my mom, wife, um, and Coach Van Gundy, giving me an opportunity to you know, do something I, I love, which is coaching uh, or being in sports, uh, they, they said coaching. You know, I, I didn't feel like I was going to be a great coach because I felt like a lot of things I did on the floor and on the court were instinctive, and I don't know how I was going to teach that. But when I started sitting back and looking at all the things that I learned from the fundamental standpoint, uh, from my days and, you know, doing the footwork drills and football to, you know, the cone drills and dribbling between uh, chairs and basketball and studying film uh, with coaches and just those types of things, uh, that's essentially what coaching is, uh, being able to put together uh, those type of um workouts and different things to be able to help uh, kids or help students or help athletes develop. Um, and then that's something that once I got into it, um, I learned a lot from 
you know, Coach Van Gundy from a basketball standpoint, uh, Coach Pop. I learned a lot from, you know, Coach Raleigh as well. Um, and football, of course, you had Coach, Coach Bowden and Coach Rick and all the different coaches and all the things that they taught me. Um, I wanted to be able to give back uh, to a younger generation to be able to share some of those experiences that I had. And um, so they can have something to dream and live, look forward to as well. We're talking with Charlie Ward. Charlie, I'm curious how you enjoy being settled back in Tallahassee because you're, you're a low-key guy and you could do this a lot of other places where you'd be more obscure. People like me wouldn't say, hey, can you take a photo with my son, which I just did to you like two weeks ago at a basketball game. Uh, you know, you, you, you could have been uh, somebody who's not recognized the way you are here. So just what, what brought you back here and how have you enjoyed being, being able to be close to Florida State again? Uh, well, it was definitely um, God's hand uh, as normal all over uh, the situation. Um, you know, nine years or later than that, I coached football for nine years. Um, had one winning season. I was in Houston. I was in Pensacola. And lo and behold, when it was time for me to move from Pensacola, um, I had two basketball jobs open up. Um, one unannounced friend of mine that I knew a while ago just texted me about a job at his school, a basketball job at his school, and then uh, was working to potentially move closer to uh, our, our parents uh, in Thomasville. And, um, and then this job here opened up uh, with the basketball job at, at Florida High. And God opened those two doors up for a reason. And I was grateful that I was able to uh, be a part of uh, here, being a part of, you know, what we've established so far uh, here at Florida High. But, of course, you have to do your homework as well. And I knew uh, a lot of the homework that I'd done on Florida High was they had a lot of talent. Um, and some of it was walking out the door because of certain situations. And I knew if I could get here, uh, it would be, you know, a few years before they matured a little bit. Um, but, you know, they had to buy into the process of putting in the work and the time and the parents had to buy into, you know, being a part of the, the process as well when it comes to, you know, understanding what we were trying to get accomplished, um, that we weren't here just for ourselves to try to, you know, make it to the next level. Uh, but we were here to help uh, kids. Um, and that was the main focus and goal. And um, there's nothing personal. We're, we're all one team and trying to make the things happen that everyone wants to happen. And um, so it took, took us some years to get that done. Very talented group uh, that I took over and they bought in. They started to see incremental uh, changes and wins uh, being like the focal point. Uh, we just weren't mature enough to be able to overcome uh, some of the uh, challenges that we had, but uh, this group here uh, was was a different group. Uh, we didn't. We had two two dynamic leaders, um, Ant Robinson and Trey Donaldson, and uh, the other guys, role players, played a great role. Um, you know, we had multiple guys step up during our championship run um, and contribute from an offense standpoint. Everyone played defense. But from an offense standpoint, we had multiple guys, which was uh, the reason why we were able to have great success because they couldn't key on just two guys. 
Um, and everyone stepped up and played a role. And that's kind of what we saw um, from the beginning. Um, you put a plan out there, not just this year, but when we started, we put a plan out there. And I was grateful that, you know, we, we were able to accomplish the goal. And as we know, the goal was accomplished. And now it's time to move on. <laughs> Charlie, you beat the number one team in the country for that state championship. Uh, uh, that was not a uh, easy victory. Uh, no, um, but every time I sat and watched film on them, um, I knew we had a chance uh, because we had we had we had a plan, uh, just like they had a plan, um, and we were going to go out and compete and uh, execute and live with the results. That was our motto going into this playoff. Um, and you know, we put a put a game plan together. The guys went out and executed it, meaning they played hard, played with great compassion uh, for the game, uh, made plays when we needed them. Uh, they were poised when we needed them to be, even though, you know, we were up 13 points, I think, in the fourth quarter at one point, and they made a comeback. Um, and we weren't able to, we were able to overcome that. Uh, but, you know, as I told the guys, they're no one team, and I like our chances of being, you know, at the bottom, meaning we weren't hunted. We were the hunt, hunters. <laughs> and uh, and sometimes it's, it's a lot easier to be the hunter than, you know, to hunt it. Uh, we past few years, we've been to hunt it, you know, and uh, we've got upset. We were number one seed last year in the region and we got beat by Andrew Jackson here at here at home. We were 19 and one. Uh, we were, you know, like 16 in the country. You know, we had great we were up there, but we lost in the first round. And so sometimes it's best to kind of be in the background and sneaking up on people. I like that position better than, you know, being up top and everybody's gunning for you. But I think that's changed another year at least. And we have to be prepared and ready for it, which we will be. Um, and the guys that I've been talking to, our guys is coming back. Uh, they're going to put the time and energy in to get better. And as coaches, we'll do the same thing. And, We'll let the chips fall where they may. Charlie Ward, our guest. And, Charlie, we'll wrap things up. As this is airing, the, the FSU basketball team is playing Syracuse in the ACC tournament. And uh, spring football is underway. I'm sure you've had a chance to be around Mike Norvell. Just just your thoughts on uh, your impressions of, of the job he has at hand and the job he's doing right now. Uh, well, Coach, as I mentioned, you know, when you're getting to coaching, you have to have processes. And some of the processes – have to lead to winning. And I do believe Coach has those processes in place. Uh, one of the things that he instilled was discipline. Um, and also, you know, team camaraderie, which means, you know, you have to have great peer leadership. You have to have guys willing to buy into being accountable. Um, and I think he has those things. And along with stability from the coaching staff, he had, had to make very many changes uh, from the coaching staff standpoint. Um, and I think that goes a long ways into uh, having sustained success. And, um, and so I'm looking forward to this year. Um, I know they brought in quite a few faces, new faces, um, some young guys that they're high on. Uh, but more importantly, you know, the quarterback position is going to play a big part. Uh, Jordan Travis has to be the difference maker, which he's, he's been, he was last year. Uh, we just got to keep him healthy. 
Um, I do believe the offensive line will be much improved. Uh, we'll have a little bit more depth this year um, on the offensive line, uh, which is always key. And then they'll have some playmakers to throw the football to, uh, guys that can step up and make plays. And the good thing about their, their wide receiver room and their running back room is they have a little bit of depth uh, there. Uh, so that will foster a little bit of competition amongst the group. And, and defensively, um, I know Coach Fuller and staff, uh, having Coach Shannon, uh, who was instrumental in a lot of the things that they did uh, off, you know, as far as making some adjustments um, and, you know, just his presence in the room would definitely help now that he's on the, on the field, being able to coach the linebackers. And, um, and so I know the defense will be much improved. They were much improved last year, especially having those two bookends. Uh, they brought in some new guys this year that we'll have to uh, see how it all uh, pans out with them. But we also have some guys uh, that are going to grow up a little bit um, that probably didn't get as much of a run, but they're going to have to grow up. And I think they will because they're hungry and they want to play. Um, depth, there shouldn't be an issue. But when you have depth, that means there's competition. That was one thing that I know when I was in, in school, in college, you know, we had depth and that depth uh, played a big part in our success because every practice was like uh, a game. Um, and when you're practicing against the best, it makes you better. Um, and so it, and it carries over to, you know, Saturday. So I just know coaches, Coach Norville has done everything in his power to uh, put the best possible um, team on the field. But also, he's given up a great plan, you know, between the strength and conditioning coach, the nutrition, I think administration now, we're all on the same on the same page, which plays a big part in success. And I think all those things are right there uh, for the taking. Now, whether that happens or to this year or not, I don't know. But I do know that the processes of being, uh, of winning, of sustaining winning is in place. Charlie, that is well said, and, and you certainly would know. We appreciate you joining us today. Congratulations on the state championship. All right, I appreciate you guys having me. Charlie, I appreciate you. Trophy winner, seminal legend. We'll come back and wrap up Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, I'll tell you what, Charlie used to be a man of few words, Keith. Now Charlie's long-winded. Well, he's, he's aged a little bit. He's in the middle age, and uh, he's got that championship belt uh, that he can uh, hoist or trophy that he can hoist. And, uh, you know, as I, as I mentioned, it was intended to mention in my comment, he doesn't do this because he wants to do it or for any accolades he gets. He does it for the kids. And you just can't, you can't imagine the impact just his presence has, uh, even the kids that never saw him play in college. Uh, and maybe never saw him play in the NBA. He is just so well-known and so well-respected that he commands and his presence commands. Uh, and I'm just so happy for him. Just very happy. Yeah, I really am. Everybody was happy to see Florida High win that. So congratulations to Charlie. Appreciate him joining us as well. I had some good things to say about Coach Norvell there. And 
You know, I was not going to ask him the question, Keith. How many times do you think he's been asked in his life if he ever thought if he could do it again, would he give football a try? You think one million, two million, five million? How many times have you been asked that? It's been a lot, but you know, his answer has always been the same. He made a decision and he went with it. And he and 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 it turns out, I mean, we'll never know, obviously, but it turns out that it wasn't a bad decision. Twelve years in the NBA isn't a bad career. No, no, it was not a bad decision at all. I think it's the fan in all of us, especially the way the quarterback position has changed in the NFL over the years, that would love to see Charlie right now in Correct. this style of football Correct. To, to, to go get a chance with, with everybody else that's having a chance. You know, and you mentioned as we're wrapping up the competition thing, think about this. You can help me because you're better remember. But in that quarterback room when Charlie was there, he was competing with Brad Johnson, Casey Weldon, had uh, had Canale gotten there yet? He was there one year, right? Yeah, Brad had moved. Brad and Casey might have moved on, and, and Canale was there. And Early also, on, remember, people- also remember, in that class, Winky was signed. Yeah. Now, he waited and got, didn't get here until the late 90s, but he was in that class, or in a couple of those classes, or bracketing well, that, those classes. That speaks to the depth. Charlie was talking about depth across exactly. the entire team. But when it you you got to compete if you're in the quarterback room trying to win that job. All right, we're out yep. of time. Thanks to Charlie and Bob. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you again next week right here on Front Row Knowles.